also known as a Milwaukee cannibal or a Milwaukee monster, was an American serial killer who took the lives of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Over the course of more than 13 years, Dahmer sought out his victims, mostly black men, at gay bars, malls, and bus stops, allured them home with promises of money and sex, and gave them alcohol laced with uh, drugs before strangling them to death. He would then engage in sex acts with the dead bodies before dismantling them and disposing them, often keeping some body parts as souvenirs. He frequently took photos of his victims at various stages of the murder. Uh, so that he could recollect and uh, recollect and relive his experience through the murder process. He would like to, he always liked to relive those experiences. And Dahmer was captured in 1991 and sentenced to 16 life terms. Uh, while he was in prison, a fellow prison inmate, Christopher Stauber, on November 28, 1994, killed him, attacked him and killed him in prison. Something interesting happened in between. Uh, he was ministered to by an American Christian minister, Roy Ratcliffe, and Dahmer gave his life, his heart to Jesus. Ratcliffe set up a weekly Bible lessons after Dahmer was saved, and he baptized him on May 10, 1994. So this story about Dahmer and him accepting Jesus uh, opened doors for a widespread debate in social circles. Can such a cold-blooded serial killer, can he be saved? And the question was whether he ended up in hell or in heaven. So this morning, uh, we would like to look at, I would like to look with you, what God says about forgiveness of our sins. So let's pause for a moment and let's pray and ask God for help. Abba, we thank you for this morning. Abba, we thank you for what you made available for us on the cross of Calvary. Abba, help us to understand this morning. All that you made available to us, help us to understand and appropriate those things to our lives. And Abba, we know that, Lord Jesus, that you want to set us free this morning and help us, Lord, prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say to us, Lord. And Lord, I ask you for help to go through this sermon this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are at the brink of the new year. So God has been pressing in my heart that he doesn't want us to get the new year with all our burdens, all our backpacks of resentment, um, bitterness, hatred, so on and so forth. And uh, he doesn't want us to carry the weight of our sin to the new year. He wants us to set us free today. And he wants us to enter in the new year with a light heart and to enjoy his freedom and depend on his grace throughout the new year. Forgiveness is one of the beautiful words in any language, isn't it? And what makes forgiveness so special? Consider some of the results that flows from forgiveness. Reconciliation, peace, harmony, understanding, fellowship. And if you look at the world today, 
the world stands in dire need of all these things, isn't it? In contrast, contrast, consider some of the consequences that flows from the failure to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness. Bitterness, strife, disharmony, hatred and war. And again, if you look at the world today, you see the entire human race is in danger of being overwhelmed by this evil and negative forces. If we are ever to rise above these conditions, it will be as we learn and apply the principles of forgiveness as it is given in the word of God. What gives us access to forgiveness? What is the basis of our forgiveness? It is the cross of Calvary, isn't it? So there are two directions of forgiveness presented in the Bible. These two directions are portrayed by the great symbol of our Christian faith, which is the cross. You know the cross has got two beams, one vertical, one horizontal. The vertical beam represents the forgiveness that we are to receive from God. And we can receive it only through our identification with the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The horizontal dream, on the other hand, represents the relationship we have with our fellow men. And it speaks of forgiveness that in this case has two directions. The forgiveness we need to give to others and the forgiveness we need to receive from others. Once again, the only place where we can receive the grace of that kind of forgiveness is the cross. So let's deal with them one by one. First of all, the vertical forgiveness. I feel again it has got two parts. First of all, we need to understand the need for forgiveness. And once we understand the need of forgiveness, the next question is, is there a provision for a wretch like me? Some of us here uh, may be feeling that I'm doing good. I read the Bible on a regular basis, I come to church week after week, I present my tithes and offerings, I help the poor and needy, and so on. But all those things are good things. We should continue doing those things. But what Bible has to say about our good works? The prophet Isaiah makes it very crystal clear in chapter 64 verse 6. He says, we are unclean and our, our righteousness, our righteous works, are like filthy rights before God. Isaiah says clearly that our righteous works, all the good works we do, are like filthy rights before God. Reading from Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. What then? Are we better than they? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles they are, that they are all under sin. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Paul is quoting from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, and he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. In the same chapter, speaking about the people who are trying to be right, uh, righteous by keeping the law, uh, or by doing works, Paul says, in verse 20, Romans 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, that means by keeping the rules, there shall no flesh, that means no human beings, be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
Now, that's a starting statement for most religious people, right? Who, who is trying to achieve righteousness by doing works. What does that mean? Should we cease doing good works? Certainly not. We have to continue doing good works because we are called to be like Jesus. But what does it mean? It means that our good works doesn't give us righteousness, doesn't help us obtain the righteousness which is required by a holy God who has zero tolerance to sin. So whatever good works we do, that doesn't amount to the requirement of a holy God who has zero tolerance to sin. Now, some of us may be feeling terrible. The weight of our sins are weighing heavy on our back. And the enemy keeps telling us, you cannot be forgiven. Maybe you are having an addiction. Maybe you are having a life with a pattern of uh, sin, which are the sinful pattern. Uh, you may have gone back to the same sins which you have already asked God uh, to forgive. And now the enemy is telling you that you cannot get forgiveness because you are too bad to be forgiven. Uh, one thing is clear, whether you are feeling good or, or feeling terrible, all we need God's forgiveness on a daily basis. I think everyone in this room needs forgiveness. Radcliffe conducted the funeral service of Jeffrey Dahmer on December 2, 1994, and he said this, I quote, Jeff confessed to me his great remorse for his crimes. He wished he could do something for the families of the victims to make it right. But there was nothing he could do. He turned to God because there was no one else to turn to. But he showed great courage in daring to ask the question, is heaven for me too? I think many people are resentful of him for asking that question. But he dared to ask and he dared to believe the answer." Unquote. If Jeff dared to ask that question, if you have done, if you have not done already, we should also dare to ask that question. Is heaven for me also? And the answer, the definite answer throughout the Bible is yes. The heaven is for each one of us also. So we establish that we need forgiveness. And what is the solution? As Isaiah pointed out, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We can receive forgiveness from God on the basis of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary for us. So we will read from Romans chapter 3 verses 21 onwards. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So what Paul is, he is careful in saying that I am not innovating something new. He is saying that all these things are contained in the embryo of the Old Testament. I am just trying to explain to you what is in, in the law and in the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, the most translation says by faith in Jesus Christ. So there is no way of uh, way to righteousness except through faith. 
there is absolutely no alternative. You cannot receive righteousness or achieve righteousness through any other way but faith. Verse 22. By faith of Jesus Christ unto all upon all them that they believe. So this righteousness, which is by faith, is offered to those, all those who believe. The word all is very important. Does that include? It includes you and me today. Uh, we are continuing with verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and, up, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For there is no difference in what respect? In respect of sinfulness. In this room we have what people from different colors, different nationalities, different cultures. But we have the one thing which is common. We are all guilty of sin. And we are all accountable to God for our sins. In that respect, there is no distinction between Jews or Gentiles, there is no distinction between Catholics or uh, or Protestants or any denomination. We all need God's forgiveness. In verse 22, for all have sinned and come short of glory of God. How many of how many have sinned? All have sinned. Does that include you and me? Certainly yes. It includes you and me. Continuing verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Jesus. So it says being justified freely. Uh, we can say having justification offered to us because we are only justified when we respond. So being justification offered to us freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So, it says justification. What do you mean by justification or being justified? Justified means acquitted. That means we can say that our case was tried at the court of heaven and the verdict comes down that you are not guilty. If God says you are not guilty, why should we bother about why, what others say about us? If God says we are something, we are that thing which God tells us. So we are justified, that's what God says, by faith. And we can translate justification as reckon righteous, because God reckons righteousness to you on the basis of your faith. And the other translation we can say, justification means justice if I have never sinned. So why? Because he has reckoned righteousness of Jesus to us. And Jesus has never sinned. So we can say that this justification means justice, I have never sinned. And justification, according to this verse, is received as a gift, as a free gift. Dear brothers and sisters, if you don't receive it as a gift, you will never get it. You can't work for it, you can't earn it. Whatever best things you can do, best effort you do, it will not get you the righteousness. It can be received only by faith. So we'll continue our reading. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. So, what is grace? Grace 
is a supernatural working of God which does things for us that we cannot deserve. <coughs> Great grace again cannot be earned. If you have anything you have earned, that is not grace. Grace starts when we come to the end of our earning. Grace starts when our human abilities ends. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is very interesting that the word redemption in the Greek version of the Old Testament is used for the mercy seat and the ark in the tabernacle of Moses. It is a beautiful picture for us. Here is the ark and inside the ark you know that it was the law that was broken and which cried out uh, against Israel to God. So God provided a mercy seat, the same size of the ark which covered the broken law. So uh, when you see and you see in the Old Testament that as the ark was covered you, we had access to God. When the ark was uncovered, we had no access to God. And when it was covered, the God, you, you could speak to God, and God speaks back to you, you, had, you can preach a holy God to His immediate presence. Because the mercy seat, and the mercy seat is what? What is the mercy seat? It's Jesus Christ and His shed blood. The only basis of access to a righteous God is through the blood of Jesus. Let's go on reading verses 20, verse 24. The redemption that's in Christ Jesus, verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So God displayed to the whole universe the one all sacrifice the propitiation for all the sins we have all committed and is demonstrated by the life they now lay down and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, God didn't do it secretly, He didn't do it in a corner, but He did it publicly for all to see. So, last week uh, during the Christmas service, Chris spoke about the sacrifices that in the Old Testament sacrifices us, as per the law. For about 15 centuries, this, the Jews continually remembered their sins, year after year. And the sacrifices they could bring, they did not blot out sin, but it covered sin till the next sacrifice was due. But when Jesus came, on the, as a contrast, the writer of Hebrews says, he put away sins by the sacrifice of himself. He didn't just cover it, he disposed it off. He removed it and he set it aside. So that's the difference. So he, he is the only one who could provide a solution. The solution was that the spotless Lamb of God was sacrificed in our place. So we said earlier, having justification offered to us because it requires our response. When Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, he did it for the entire world. However, each of us need to appropriate uh, and respond and appropriate it in our lives. We can find a shadow of that in the Old Testament. The Passover lamb 
was slain in Egypt, whose blood was protected, blood protected the Israelites' household against the wrath and judgment of God that came upon the Egyptians, who were not protected. That was not the question of nationality. There was only one issue, is the blood on the house or not? When the angel of God passed by, he didn't get into every house and check the civil IDs and passports to see their nationality. But rather, the only issue was whether blood was applied on the doorpost or not. That gives a clear and very vivid picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Who was the Lamb of God? It was Jesus Christ. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So who was the Lamb of God? It was Jesus Christ. And we see that again in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 7. So Paul is talking to us about the ordinance of Passover in which uh, every Jewish home had to be purged of leaven. And let's read verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be the new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even the Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So on the cross of Calvary, the Passover lamp, the Lamb of God was crucified, was sacrificed for all of us. And a divine exchange that has took place on the cross of Calvary. If you grasp it, that's the door to the treasure that God made available to us on the cross of Calvary. So this is the divine exchange. All the evil due to our rebellion came upon Jesus, that all the good due to his perfect obedience might be offered to us. And where, whatever way we look at that exchange, it was complete and it was total. <coughs> He was punished that we might be forgiven. He was wounded that we might be healed. He took our sin that we have his righteousness. He died our death that we might share his life. He was made a us that we might receive the blessing. He endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. He bore our shame that we might have his glory. He endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance. So if you just see the picture of that rebel on the cross and understand that you are the rebel, but Jesus took your place, then you understand the abundance that he made available for us. Not only he, did he bear the rebellion, he bore all evil cons consequences of the, that rebellion that you might enter into the blessing of his perfect obedience. And what is that called? That is called the grace. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you cannot work for it, you have to receive it by faith. It is a free gift offered to you and me. And there is only way that we can receive it. It is by faith. You just have to believe. Let me pause and ask a question. Will you reach out in faith and receive the free gift of righteousness offered to you? Will you appropriate Jesus' sacrifice into your lives? 
God made the provision available to you. Will you respond by applying the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost? Now we looked at, now I think we will look at the other aspect of forgiveness. Unfortunately, often, often overlooked the horizontal forgiveness. <coughs> As we discussed the basis of forgiveness, which is the cross of Calvary. Only through the atoning death of Jesus Christ on our behalf, we can for claim forgiveness from God. And only through the grace made available to us by his death can we truly offer forgiveness to others. So we shall uh, quickly uh, look at two passages, both from the Gospel of Matthew. And the first one is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through to 14. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 14. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgave our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a very familiar passage to us. And God, in those five verses, Jesus is teaching his disciples a pattern of prayer. And after teaching that, he goes back to one verse in that which he, for him, and for all of us, it's so important. So he comments on one verse, that is verse 12, uh, which reads, and forgive us our debtors, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, uh, forgive our debtors. And he comments that on verse 14. I'll read verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, it is extremely important. Jesus is teaching a vital principle that we can only claim forgiveness from God in the same measure that we forgive other people. You see that? He tied us down to not ex ex expecting forgiveness from God in a greater proportion than we forgive others. So only when we offer total forgiveness to others, we can expect total forgiveness from God. So you may not feel like forgiving that person because of how that person treated you because of the terrible experience you have from that person. But let me tell you, forgiveness is not the outworking of our emotions. Forgiveness is the outworking of our decision. We will look at that again. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 onwards. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say, not, I say not to thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore, is, then he gives them a parable uh, from verse 23. Therefore, is the, king, uh, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, 
One was bought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he, he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and paid uh, and payment to be made. So the servant and the master both knew that he couldn't do it. So the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, for I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him hundred penny pence, and he, which is much far much less than what he owed his father, uh, his uh, lord. And continuing with verse 28, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And the fellow servant fell down at, feet, at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very angry. Uh, sorry, they were very sorry. Excuse me, and came and and told to their lord uh, all that was done. Then the lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion? on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was brought and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So Jesus gave this parable and he said that I am not just giving a story, I am not giving a fairy tale for your entertainment or for some with some moral value. In the next verse he says it's a serious thing. Let's read verse 35, verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother that trespasses. So Jesus is saying, this is not just a story I'm telling you. This is, the, this is exactly how my Father is going to deal with you if you harbor unforgiveness. So there are three great things we can learn from this story, from this parable, that the forgiveness is wickedness. You remember what the Lord called the unforgiving servant? He said, wicked servant. So, unforgiveness is wickedness. Secondly, that the failure to forgive provokes God's anger. And thirdly, which is very important, that our failure to forgive causes God to deliver us to tormentors. So many professing Christians today are in the hands of tormentors. They are undergoing various kinds of physical and mental torments because they harbor unforgiveness. Now, when confronted with requirements of, of the forgiveness according to the world, many people say, I can't forgive that person. I think that's because it arises from a misunderstanding of the nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness, as we said earlier, is not an emotion. It is a decision. You can't work up the emotion, but you can make the decision. This means that you can forgive if you know how. Isn't it? 
first of all we must recognize the need to forgive so i want you to be honest don't try to be too religious or too pious don't pretend that there are no bad feelings anywhere in your heart acknowledge that there are some people that you really are bitter against you really hold resentment against them and recognize it don't cover it up be willing to name that person sometimes that person is very close to you maybe he is living under the same roof but we have to release forgiveness secondly submit to god don't resist god you have got to submit god in two ways first you have to submit to god's word and accept what it teaches and don't argue with god thirdly once you have submitted to god and his word and the holy spirit next thing you have to do is to make that right decision remember it is not it doesn't proceed out of a feeling because your feelings are not fully under your control but it proceeds from your will to forgive your will is under your control so make that decision i forgive i will forgive i do forgive you have to make that decision then and then it is important to affirm it verbally you say god i forgive this person you have to say it aloud so that people the the heavenly host can hear you have to declare it that god i forgive this person i forgive maybe my mother in law i forgive my friend i forgive the sister coming to church or it may be you have to name it and you have to say it <clears throat> so uh, let me summarize those first four steps recognize you need to forgive submit to god to his word and what it teaches and make that right decision to forgive and then affirm it verbally if you want somebody to help you with that we can help you and stand with you in prayer and you know sometimes after you forgive that same person or same thought may come back to you what do you do you forgive again no you have already forgiven so what you have to do is that you have to say that i have lord i have already forgiven this this person and you add something else that will help you is that you start blessing that person you start praying for that person you start thanking god for that person you have to every time you do something positive you make no room for the negative so you have to speak positively about that person so we have in conclusion uh, in shifting comes in conclusion we have looked at the forgiveness that god made available to us the forgiveness we need to receive from god and the provision god has made available to us it's up to us to reach out and receive it and appropriate that in our lives and secondly we looked at the forgiveness we need to extend to others and that is purely a decision from our hearts um can we all stand for let's close our eyes and in prayer
if this message has spoken to you this morning, if you are someone that was never asked whether heaven is for me too, and if you have never dared to believe the answer, which is the heaven is for you too, or if the, the heaven is for you also, if you have not believed that, I would like to give you a chance to open your heart to Jesus at this time. If you haven't opened your heart to Jesus, you have not invited him to your life. He did that sacrifice for the entire mankind. But if you have not opened your heart to him, if you have not appropriated that into your lives, I would give you a chance to do that right now. If you are that person, invite Jesus into your heart. He has done it for you, but you have to just do one part, that is to receive him into your lives. And if you are harboring unforgiveness against anybody, I would like to keep a few moments of silence. It is to your best benefit that you forgive, release forgiveness to that person. Because you will be set free. First of all, you are agreeing with God and agreeing with the word, and you are doing something God asked you to do. And secondly, it will bring peace into your life. It will make you light. It will set you free. And the byproduct is that even that person you are holding unforgiveness against, that person will be set free. That God can deal with that person. So I will just ask you to be in silence for a few moments. And if Holy Spirit is ministering to you, and He, he is bringing to your mind somebody who needs to, who, whom you need to extend forgiveness, I want you to do it now, please. Let's do it for our best benefit. Do not harbor unforgiveness. Jesus is very clear that we are not to harbor unforgiveness. Unless we forgive our fellow men, we cannot seek forgiveness of God. So i leave you with a few moments of silence. Above, we thank you for this this morning. Above, we thank you for my brothers and sisters who have responded to your word. And above, we thank you that all that we need has been accomplished on the cross of Calvary. You made those provisions available to us. And above, we thank you that Jesus, we are not alone in this battle, but Jesus, you are with us. Holy Spirit, you dwell inside of us. You empower us. And we understand, Lord Jesus, that extending forgiveness or receiving forgiveness can be only achieved through the sacrificial death of Jesus, through what you made available to us on the cross of Calvary. And Abba, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that, Lord Jesus, as they spend, reflect upon this word through the week. Abba, I pray that continue to minister to them, continue to bless them, help them, to release that person and to extend forgiveness 
to those people around them. Whoever is, whoever is harboring unforgiveness in their heart, Abba, I pray that help them, help them to extend forgiveness, Lord. Abba, we know that it's not a function of our emotions or feelings, but Abba, it is a decision. We, we decide, I choose to forgive. I decide to forgive. I decide to extend forgive. And I want to enjoy the freedom that Jesus offers to me. Abba, I thank you. Thank you for the word, Father God. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. And Abba, I pray that you continue to minister to us. We continue to depend on your grace to take us through. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if anyone needs prayer, if anyone uh, would like to have someone to stand with you in prayer, uh, if you want to release forgiveness and it's difficult for you to release forgiveness, and if you want us to help you and stand with you, uh, Brittany and myself will be available during the next song. You can come forward. We can pray together. Thank you. God bless you.